Hello and welcome to the One Foot Down Podcast, episode number 10. I am Eric Murtaugh, back as your host. This is our post-game Michigan State review. The Irish come away with an ugly 17-13 win. Uh, it moves Notre Dame to 3-1 and one on the season. Uh, this is their 10th straight win at home. Uh, the first time they've won that many games at home in about 15 years. Uh, they did not move up in the AP poll that was released today. We're taping this on a Sunday late afternoon. Um, the Irish stick at number 22 in the AP poll, and we have Oklahoma coming up on Saturday. Joining me again on uh, his second OFD podcast is Lars. Lars, how you doing? Doing great, Eric. Thanks for having me once again. Looking forward to it. All right, so this was a pretty sloppy game. Uh, there were 201 penalty yards, um, which is a pretty obscene amount. Oddly enough, there were no holding penalties in either team, which is pretty crazy given the amount of penalties. Um, I wanted to first start off talking about the play of Tommy Reese. Um, probably going to talk a lot more about the offense today. How did you think he played overall? And um, I just wanted to ask a couple of subset questions. How, how do you balance the lack of his turnovers, which is obviously a, a huge positive, with some of the inaccuracy we saw? And um, should we blame the play calling, or is this mostly on his skills? And he's been getting great protection. Do you think he should be doing more damage than he is giving how much we're throwing the ball? Yeah, lots of uh, lots of good questions in there, Eric. Um, certainly our pass protection has been outstanding, and so I think it's reasonable to say that we need to take advantage of that pass protection. Um, you know, in terms of, of uh, him going deep, I, I really felt like it's probably a combination of things. First of all, um, his accuracy wasn't great. He needed to complete a couple of those passes, and if he does, he certainly uh, changes the flavor of the game, and, and MSU probably has to do some different things. Um, but because he wasn't throwing the ball overly accurately in terms of the deep pass, then Michigan State continued to do what they were doing. Um, so I think, I think from an accuracy perspective, uh, obviously that's on Tommy Reese, and, and I don't think he played a very good game, um, at least in terms of his, his deep ball accuracy. There is absolutely no reason why this team cannot be effective throwing the ball over the middle, you know, in terms of crossers and, you know, kind of trying to hit that 7 to... 15-yard range, so I was surprised by that. Um, I think that was the game plan going in, and I think Tommy Reese was executing the game plan that he was given, and I think uh, that needs to fall on the coaching staff. I was surprised by some of the play calling, especially on third down. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not sure why we chose to go deep. I mean, that was pretty much all we did in, in the passing game. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it really isn't that far off. And uh, I thought it was a very, very odd game plan. So I think um, he didn't execute the game plan particularly well, but I think he was also hampered a little bit by the game plan. Yeah, and one of the interesting things is it was a bit of a windy day inside the stadium, and I don't know if that had an effect on some of Tommy's throws or not, but... Uh, yeah, I think it's 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 kind of a weird. It's almost like we're in some sort of like bizarre land. Um, some of his deep throws, you know, they were almost right on target. But again, I don't know if it was the wind um, wreaking havoc on some of those throws. I I was reading some stuff from the Michigan State side, and um, you know, they were saying they were pretty happy and content with Reese throwing against cover four and mostly along the sidelines. And even on some of those deep passes over the middle, the coverage wasn't terrible for Michigan State. I mean, really forcing Reese to put the ball into some tight windows. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that. And I think schematically from an X's and O's perspective, the part that I don't understand is Michigan had a tendency to play their, their safeties fairly tight. So it wasn't a true cover two look that they were getting, although certainly sometimes they would drop off in cover two. But really what they're doing with their safeties is playing them about, you know, maybe eight yards off uh, kind of the edges of the defense. And then basically if they saw a run key, they were just coming downhill. And I'm just, I can't understand how we couldn't take advantage of that with some play action uh, with a tight end who's somewhere between 6'6 six, six and 6'7 six, and should be a pretty good matchup uh, against those guys. Um, and I think it, it also speaks to the fact that we don't have much of an identity on offense and particularly the slot position remains mystifying to me. And I think if we had an effective uh, slot receiver, I think we would have been able to expose and take advantage of some of what uh, Michigan State was doing. Lars, do you think they were really afraid of Tommy turning the ball over in the middle of the field in some of those short to medium routes? You know, I personally look at those as the most part as fairly safe, uh, fairly safe plays that I think Tommy has executed pretty well over the course of his career. So I'm not sure unless they saw something in the middle of that Michigan State defense, which I mean, they do obviously have a very good defense and their linebackers are very good. I just can't see how you couldn't get some play action and and uh, and maybe make them play, pay a couple times. So um, maybe that was certainly Brian Kelly's alluded to that. I, I just, you know, Tommy Reese, is he's okay throwing over the middle. Um, but I guess if you feel like your defense is playing well and you feel that um, you know that you can stop them, then I guess you maybe do go a little bit conservative. And, and as odd as it sounds, throwing the ball deep typically isn't associated with being conservative. But I think most of us would agree that the way that Notre Dame attacked them deep, it actually was relatively conservative. Those were pretty safe passes. So yeah, I guess there's some merit to it. I'm I'm a little surprised by it myself, but. Um, but I think that was probably part of it, and I think it was probably part of an overall game plan. Yeah, we just can't seem to get any of those crossing routes going. We don't seem to run or throw many slants at all. I, I know it's pretty frustrating to watch. Yeah, I uh, the slant thing, I don't... I mean, I can understand why we weren't throwing a whole bunch of slants against those corners. Um, you know, I think they were playing pretty tight, pretty in-your-face, and they would have loved to have seen uh, a few slants coming over the middle, but but I don't see why you can't run a little bit of play action. I don't see why you can't curl up your your 6-7 tight end in front of a linebacker and uh, and get yourself 6-7 yards. Or even when you're on the third and three, and if you feel like you can't run the ball against them, then, you know, why not Why not try and hit your 6-7 tight end for three, four yards? I don't, I'm not sure I get that part of the game plan. Yeah, I was... Going through my review uh, earlier today and looking at some of the third and short um, plays, and uh, it, it didn't seem as bad as I thought it was during the game as, in terms of the run-pass ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, let me count here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. There was 12 plays on third and short, and uh, Notre Dame ran the ball five times, which yeah. I wouldn't have said. I don't think many would say we even ran the ball that many times on third and short. Um, one of the problems is ran the ball five times in third and short, only got one first down out of that, and only gained a total of four yards on those five rushes. Um, Lars, what's wrong with the running game? Um, do you think Kelly's rotating too many backs? Do you think it this 
has too much to do with the defense not respecting Notre Dame's passing game, and is this the only way the ground game will get going is if some of these defenses will back off once uh, they respect Tommy Reese in that passing game. Yeah, I think I think those are, are part of it, but I think, uh, like, you know, the number of running backs that are playing and uh, um, teams not necessarily respecting our pass game, but I think those are sort of the, the tip of the iceberg. I think there's a bigger issue here, and I think we're looking at a Notre Dame offense when it comes to the run game in particular that doesn't have an identity. Um, you know, it's nice that... Uh, they're kind of fiddling around with the pistol a little bit and, and have tried to incorporate some of those concepts. But, I mean, the pistol offense is an entire philosophy. And unless you have the right players to run it, um, you can't really dabble in it. It's kind of like, you know, the, the triple option is a great offense, but uh, Notre Dame shouldn't start running the triple option. I mean, on paper, you could suggest that, hey, maybe we start putting three running backs out on the field and... Uh, and that's a good way to maximize our talent, and we got big, strong tight ends, but we wouldn't be a good triple option team. You have to sort of commit to that, and you have to decide that's what you're going to do. I think it's the same thing with the pistol. The pistol, in theory, brings a real downhill running, almost like you used to get out of out of the old eye, not old eye formation, but out of the eye formation where you could really run downhill. The problem with that sort of downhill running is it's fairly easy for defenses to attack that, especially linebackers. Um, you know, in the traditional other versions of the uh, pistol, like if you look at what Colin Kaepernick has done, it's tough for linebackers to tee off on that downhill run because he's a because Kaepernick's a running threat, right? Well, Notre Dame doesn't have that running threat, so how are you? How can you be a downhill running team? How can you prevent the other team's linebackers from just teeing off when they see that pistol formation? Um, you know, and really probably what you need to do is start to bring in some fullbacks and some lead blockers because that's really the only way you're going to be able to run downhill. Um, and I, I think we've seen that in the last few games. Notre Dame has not been particularly successful in between the tackles. And, uh, and I'm not sure that we have the personnel to run it in between the tackles. Who do we have that's a big, tough, physical back? Uh, I guess, you know, Cam's a pretty physical player and runs reasonably well inside the tackles, but uh, I don't think that's George Atkinson's strength. I don't think that's Carlisle's strength. And the freshmen, we don't know what their strengths are yet. We haven't seen enough of them. So I think there's a real philosophical issue here. Um, I think, you know, Brian Kelly has some elements of his shotgun offense that he wants to run, some elements of this pistol offense that he wants to run. It's sort of a... Uh, mismatch of a whole variety of offenses and that's why you don't have any sort of identity and I think that's part of the reason of why we're still seeing this sort of weird running back rotation because Notre Dame is hoping that somebody's going to jump up and you know show them this skill set and then they can design an offense around them but none of them have really done that so they're they kind of seem to be searching for an identity in the run game and I don't think it's there and I, I think there's some schematic problems with what they're trying to do. Yeah, I'm totally on board with the, everything you said there. I, I think probably my biggest criticism of Brian Kelly so far is the lack of identity on offense. Um, like I said before on this site, I think you can take some positives out of the way he runs an offense and tailors it around his players, but I think this is kind of one of those seasons where, you know, the players aren't stepping up necessarily, especially in the running game, to really tailor an offense around and we're kind of stuck in this weird zone where we're, you know, doing a bunch of different things and not doing anything particularly well. Do you think? Um, do you th do you see the offensive linemen struggling a little bit in the running game? Do you think this is more 
you know, the defense just knowing what's coming? Like, what do you think the issues are with the offensive line in particular? Yeah, and I'd I'd like to watch a little more film, especially on on this game, to to see exactly what it is they're doing. But yeah, I, some of it's definitely an offensive line uh, problem. They're not getting a great amount of push. And uh, if you're going to run between the tackles, you better be able to move some people. And I don't think we've been doing that. Notre Dame in the past with their zone blocking scheme, and most zone blocking schemes try and do this, is you try and sort of stretch a defense horizontally and then cut up and, and find seams as you stretch that defense out horizontally. And so Notre Dame's doing some of that, but out of the pistol, they're, they're more of a downhill root guys out kind of uh, offense, and uh, I don't think the offensive line has done a great job on that yet. Um, you know, they really haven't taken over a game yet, and all this, well, the other teams are bringing other guys in the box. That's true, bringing an extra guy in, but certainly I'd be surprised if we saw Nick Saban on a press conference after a game saying, oh, you know, we couldn't run the ball because they brought an extra guy in the box. Um, I think good physical football teams find ways to run the ball in those situations, and certainly the 2012 Notre Dame team did that. Um, they there was lots of games in the fourth quarter where everyone knew they were running the ball, and it didn't matter; they were running it. This team has has yet to do that, and I think you have to say that a lot of it's scheme, but the offensive line needs to play better. I also think the running backs have been pretty disappointing in this regard. Um, you know, the blocking obviously isn't very great, but you can have a running back who can make that first guy miss or squeak through that hole. Uh, it's just not seeing that at all from the running backs. Um, we're especially not seeing any of those stretch plays, a lot of the outside zone plays. It's really been getting shut down. Typically that's something with Atkinson, you know, it's normally he's fairly successful with, and we, I thought possibly Carlisle would be someone who would excel at that. And You know, that's probably been just as disappointing as some of the inside running. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's a that's a fair statement to make, and and you know, we in theory, if it is completely a scheme problem, then you know we should be able to run our outside zone stuff and and have success with it. Um, you know, I thought against Michigan State, Atkinson actually did a pretty decent job of making something out of nothing on some of the plays that he he has. The blocking on the edges hasn't been very good, hasn't been great on the offensive line either. But I think your point about the backs, especially when we run in between the tackles. It, I mean, frankly, they look like high school kids running it. Um, they're just kind of pounding it up in there, and, and all of them are running hard. There's no question about that. They will put their pads down, and they'll run into contact, but we're not seeing that little bit of vision in that back who can one play just put his pads down, get a couple yards, but then all of a sudden in the hole make a little juke on the next play and, and gain a couple extra yards in between the tackles, and we're, we're definitely not seeing much in the way of vision there. Yeah, I think that could definitely do wonders for the offense. Um, I guess we're still waiting or hoping to see a running back emerge that can do that. Um, you know, I doubt where this is going to be a an offense that's going to be running for 180, 190 yards a game, but if someone could emerge and kind of make a few handful of plays like that each Saturday, uh, I think that could really help the de- offense out a lot. Um, all right, let's 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 move forward a little bit. We'll still stick with the offense. Um I wanted to point out, and I saw this online uh, via Mike Frank, and I wanted to know what you thought about it. Uh, Notre Dame had 24 first down attempts on Saturday and only got one first down off, out of those 24 opportunities. Um, you combine that with the uh, 
five opportunities on, on third and short running the ball, not getting uh, a first down on four of those opportunities. That's pretty much just killing the offense. Um, so, Lars, what would you do differently with the offense moving forward? Um, is it a matter of getting the tight ends more involved? We've seen Koyak struggle blocking. Um, it doesn't appear that Welch is playing at all. Um, do you think it's the passing game that has to, to throw more in the short routes into the middle of the field like we've already discussed? What, if you were the coaching staff, what would you try to do moving forward for the rest of the season? Uh, well, that, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, I wrote about some of that last week in terms of game planning against the Irish and, and what I think the Irish should do. And and uh, we saw some of that against Michigan State. Certainly, they added a dimension of misdirection to the to the run game. They were running a little sort of fake sweep with, uh, with Daniels and that. And I think they might have pitched out to him a couple times. Um, they ran a little bit of counter stuff. Uh, so I think that's good. I think they need to continue to do that. Um, in terms of, and I like that they were aggressive going vertically down down the field. I thought they relied on it a little bit too much, so that was uh, it was nice to see that. I think they maybe went a little too far. So I want to see those elements continue. Um, I definitely want to see our tight ends get a little more involved, and uh, I think we need that. There needs to be some play action out of there, and uh, you know some first down play action stuff, and see if we can hit the tight ends. Um, so I think that'll help for sure. And then we have to we have to figure out what we're doing at the running back and the slot position. I think those are the two positions where we don't know where we have and it's or what we have and it's hurting us. I think we know what we have at the wide receivers. I think we've got a good sense of what we have at the tight end. I think, you know, we know where we're at on the offensive line and we know what we're going to get out of our quarterback. And I think our quarterback play is is good enough for us to be a, a decent offense. But uh, until we get the slot and running back position figured out, I think we're in a lot of trouble. I don't that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration. Maybe not a lot of trouble, but I think it's going to continue to be frustrating. And like I say, I'm a big advocate of trying to get two running backs on the field and one of them being in that slot back position. Um, I would love to see that. I think that's a. I think that could make a real difference for Notre Dame. Specifically on first down, would you try to go with more of the same approach we saw last year with more two tight end sets and just trying to run the ball a little bit more on first down? Do you think that would help out? Yeah, I'd like to see us get more physical, and I'd like to see us take that attitude that we're going to run the football, and uh, we'll put in two tight ends, and we're just going to pound you, and we're going to grind you a little bit. And then, you know, that opens up some nice play-action opportunities, and, and Tommy Reese can boot out and throw on the run, and, and Troy Nicholas is a very good inline blocker this year, but he's also a good, good pass catcher, so I think he could be very, very proficient on first downs if he can get some running game going, but yeah, Eric, I agree with you. I like the idea that let's get out there and let's line up two tight ends. Let's line up three tight ends if we need to sometimes. And let's go pound someone and uh, smack them in the mouth and decide that we're going to run the football. All right, let's transition to the defense now. Uh, a bit of your bread and butter. Uh, wanted. I know you thought the defense played a little bit better against Michigan State over the weekend. Um, want to know what your thoughts on which players are improving and which players are still struggling out there. Um, I know Russell had a pretty good game, and he finally looked like the, the same player that we saw last year. What, what did you think? Yeah, I was I was really pleased with, uh, with Russell's effort. And, you know, it's interesting because you could tell that his confidence has taken a bit of a hit this year because uh, he made a play late in the game, a real nice play in man coverage. I think it was a, a slant pattern, and I was... 
fairly late in the game, and I think it was a third down, maybe even a fourth down, and he, he made the play, and uh, right away he looked back to the ref to see if it was pass interference. And, yeah, uh, I remember that. Yep. Yeah, and so that was right away I was looking at him. So maybe he's getting that monkey off of his back, and uh, he made a play. Michigan State uh, threw a, it was a second down play, and they threw sort of an out, and uh, he broke on the ball uh, when the ball was in the air, and he hit the receiver right as he caught the ball. And the receiver did a nice job of catching the ball, but... Uh, he certainly paid a big price, and it was a really nice break on the ball. So, yeah, I thought Russell played a better game. Really happy to see that. You know who I thought actually played a, a good game, and uh, I'd like to take a little more time and, and watch him, but I saw some really good things out of Carlo Calabrese. Mm -hmm. um, he had that uh, Michigan State ran wildcat there down towards our goal line one time, and he he filled the hole and made a very nice tackle, um, kind of you know, and it was a, there was a nice running lane there if he didn't fill it, and then he made a, a couple tackles in zone defense where he came up and uh, the guy caught a crosser in front of him and boom he just uh, he stuck him, and so so that was a better performance than I've seen out of Carlo. I thought uh, Kona Schwanky from what I saw. I thought, Spot did a good job, and this was the sort of game that I think he can be successful um, at. He can kind of get in there and mix it up, so I thought he had a, a decent game. In terms of players that um, that still need to show something, uh, I'm still not sold on our safeties. Um, you know, Shoemate continues. I, I'm just not sure about him. Uh, last year I thought he was pretty good, and, and he, he did a, not a bad job this week, but I'm I still see some technical things with him in terms of his man coverage that I just shake my head at. So I think there's still room for improvement uh, at, at the safety position for sure. Did it look like to you we were playing a lot more zone coverage now over the past four, five, six quarters? Um, I, I think we've, we've moderated a little bit for sure. Like you look at the Michigan game where uh, there was a ton of blitzing. Um, we've certainly moderated and become a little more balanced. Um, we're definitely still playing man coverage. We're definitely blitzing a little bit more and, and being more aggressive. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'd say we're running a little more zone than we were the first few games. And more, I think more importantly, doing a better job with our zone coverage. Right. It does seem like the defense is slowly starting to settle into a bit of a groove and knowing what the responsibilities are. Yeah, I've I've got some thoughts on this whole defense and kind of why uh, why we're we're in this sort of transition state, which I think we're all a little bit surprised about. So you want me to talk about that right now? Go ahead, sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think last year we were, you know, for the most part, basically a cover two zone team, and you know, kind of the quote unquote bend but don't break defense, and and I think that was a you know very good decision by the coaching staff. It played to our strengths. It allowed us to hide some of the young guys in our secondary uh, with a linebacker like Manti Teo. He could cover chew up a lot of uh, space in the field. We could get um, we could get good pressure with our defensive line. So it made a lot of sense. But I think what happened was um, after the Alabama game, the Notre Dame coaching staff realized that they can't continue to run this sort of vanilla bend but don't break zone defense. And that was for a couple reasons. One is they were using losing a guy like Manti Teo and Zeke Mata, um, and so they weren't going to be able to do the same things in terms of coverage, especially Teo. He chewed up a lot of real estate for the Notre Dame defense. And then I think they realized even with Manti Teo, they couldn't win playing this sort of vanilla defense, so they realized they have to get more aggressive. They're going to need to make take more chances. They're going to need to blitz. And I, I think long-term, 
that's the right way to go. I think the Notre Dame defense needs to be a little more dynamic. The problem with that is it's a good long-term decision, but short-term there's some pain that comes with that. And there's no question that we've seen that at the start of the year. So we all look at it and go, well, we only lost four guys from a really good defense last year. Why do we look so out of sorts? And the reason I think we look so out of sorts is because we're running quite a bit of a different defense than we did last year. And so even the guys who are returning guys to some degree are learning. Uh, it's almost like a new defense for them. So philosophically and schematically, I think it's the right thing to do, but it's going to take some time for Notre Dame to get really good at it, and particularly the little nuances of man coverage and uh, and running blitzes. You know, it's interesting thought I had. Um, I think it was a couple weeks ago. Brian Kelly mentioned that they just recently, in this past offseason, implemented a speed aspect to their strength and conditioning program. And he had mentioned that this wasn't a part of the uh, the program in recent years or in previous years. Excuse me. And, um, I'm just wondering, because it's one of the things I, I tend to harp on a little bit. I think we're a little bit too big, a little bit too heavy, especially at that middle linebacker spot. Um, I think we could probably use some more slender, long, uh, quicker defensive linemen as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, not only with the, the player losses like Teo and Mata and Cap and Spawn, but I'm wondering if the, we're, we're kind of seeing a, a program that's just – beefed up the players too much and we just haven't stressed speed enough. Do you think you've seen any of that? Yeah, I was very surprised to hear um, that they, you know, that they really started to emphasize more uh, speed and, you know, I'm a big believer in today's college football game. Speed is absolutely critical with, uh, you know, with the prevalence of spread offenses. I think, you know, so I think you're, you're definitely on to something, Eric. There's no question about that. I mean, you look at our defense and really probably the only guy who fits that kind of quick twitch fast kind of mold right now would be um, would be Jalen Smith and he's a little young to really be you know maybe not that he's not playing well but uh, he's a little young to be you know a leader of your defense so I was surprised by that you know I think that what happened was when Brian Kelly took over the program I think he looked at it and the first thing he saw was how weak this team was. Um, right. They just weren't strong and they weren't powerful enough and they got pounded by Stanford and you know these teams would just come in and basically beat them up and he said that's the first thing we have to change. We have to stop that. We gotta get stronger. Yeah. Yeah but the coaching staff really likes to recruit to profile and, and really likes bigger players especially at the linebacking position. I've always liked guys who can who are maybe a little bit smaller but can fly around and you know, you can use your defensive linemen to protect them a little bit. I think you can just do a lot more of the fast players. So, yeah, I, I think you're on to something. I think we're seeing a bit of that for sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how this plays out over the next two or three years. For example, um, Drew Tranquil, a recruit who's currently available to Purdue, um, he may possibly flip to Notre Dame, and they would like to move him to middle linebacker right now. He's about 215 pounds as a high school senior. And, you know, I hear people say, well, he has to put on the weight, you know, 35, 40 pounds. And I'm just like, does it really, does he really need to be that big to play middle linebacker? I would think you'd at least want to have somebody on your roster that can uh, do some things at the middle linebacker spot and bring some more speed to your game instead of having everyone be 250, 255 pounds. So, uh, We'll see what they do. Um, 
I wanted to uh, ask you another question about the defense. How much better do you think they can get now? You've seen them play four games. Um, it seems like they're getting slowly better as the, the season wears on. Um, the defensive line hasn't really dominated like we thought they would. Um, I think the, the middle linebackers have played a little bit better. Um, Jalen Smith's getting some experience. Uh, the corners are playing better. Still some question marks at safety. Um, do you think it's just a matter of this defense executing better with tackling and reducing the mental mistakes? Or do you think we're going to need to see several players, quote-unquote, emerge for the defense to really improve and get close to the defense we saw last year? Or do you think it's not really um, possible for the defense to be as good as last year's? Um, you know, last year's defense was an exceptional defense. Um, I like what we're doing schematically. I think it's definitely the right way to go. And based on that, I think this defense could be um, in some ways, potentially more dominant than last year's defense. In terms of last year's defense would kind of keep everything in front of them and would come up and make tackles and kind of eventually you'd make a mistake. Um, whereas I think this is a defense, the way it's designed, that could come out and dictate um, what an offense is doing. And instead of just kind of waiting for the offense to make a mistake, they can attack it and uh, they can force those mistakes. So I think it still has the potential to be really good in that regard. Um, and I still think we've got a lot of players who, uh, you know, especially at the safety position, although they haven't, they haven't developed as quickly as you like, I think there's lots of talent there. So yes, I still think this could be, um, still could be a very good defense and, absolutely we need somebody to emerge and we need somebody to emerge in the secondary or the linebacking course. Somebody who's going to emerge and take things over and be our guy who's going to make a play and really I guess I'd even say someone who's going to emerge right down the middle of that defense and uh, so I think it's a combination of both but yeah I still think we could be pretty good. Now when you talk about the middle linebacker core it's pretty much Jarrett Grace or bust at this point. Would you agree with that? I mean, we kind of know what we have out of Calabrese and Fox. It seems like Fox isn't playing quite as much as he was early in the season. So I think, especially from a leadership standpoint, you're probably putting the bullseye on Grace this year. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair statement. Grace is probably the guy, and I guess Jalen Smith's not down the middle, but Jalen's another guy that I could see, um, you know, really stepping up and really starting to emerge and, and they could start to do some different things with him so he could make a few more plays. But, uh, yeah, I'd say Jarrett Grace. You know, I'd really like to see Collingsworth or uh, Shoemate step up as well up the middle. Or, I mean, I wonder if we're starting to get close to Max Redfield time. Um, yeah, uh, I think, I believe in Brian Kelly's press conference today, or uh, meeting with the media, whatever he did, he mentioned Redfield's now in the top four in the safeties. So I'm, I don't know if that just means he passed Hardy which I, it probably does, but uh, yeah, it's probably not that far away from playing time. Yeah, and I think that I'd be really interested to see him play. You know, here's the other thing that we as Notre Dame fans need to be um, patient on, and, and it's a little bit frustrating, but, you know, our opportunities to get some of these young guys some playing time and get them under fire probably are going to come in the second half here um, right. once we finish this, you know, Oklahoma uh, Arizona State, USC stretch, then I think there's going to be some opportunities. Um, I think the frustration, and I, and I think it's valid from Notre Dame fans, is I think we 
we lost a couple opportunities to get young guys playing time early. Um, mm -hmm. Temple and Purdue would be two good examples uh, where we just didn't put them away and we didn't put off enough points. And so, you know, Brian Kelly had to be a little more conservative and didn't want to put a young guy in and put him in a position where he could make a mistake that could cost the team a, a game. So that's been, I think, that's been a real problem for us too is I think our freshman class is pretty dynamic and uh, and they they have already contributed quite significantly but i think there's a couple guys especially when you talk about running backs and a guy like redfield that i think if things had swung a little differently in uh, temple and purdue i think we'd be a little more set up for those guys to come in and and uh, make a, a meaningful impact in some of these games coming up over the next 3 weeks yeah uh definitely this three game stretch uh is going to be pretty tough and after that like you said uh, Probably going to be a really good opportunity for some of the young players to get playing time. Uh, all right, we have Oklahoma coming in this Saturday. Um, they had a bye this weekend, so they'll be well rested. As Bob Stutes comes to South Bend for the first time since the late 90s. Uh, the Sooners shut out Louisiana Monroe 34 nothing to open their season. Uh, they only beat West Virginia 16 to seven on September 7th. And last weekend they defeated Tulsa 51 to 20. Probably the, the big story out of Norman so far is their defense is playing a lot better than it was last year, uh, which is a pretty interesting topic and something I will uh, definitely look at in in my uh, preview of the game. Uh, Oklahoma lost a lot of defenders off their team last year. The other big story for Oklahoma is Blake Bell, now the starting quarterback. Uh, they tried to go with more of a running quarterback, but uh, wasn't as good of a passer. So now Blake Bell's going to be starting uh, this weekend in South Bend. From what you've seen so far, Lars, and I know you probably haven't seen a whole lot of Oklahoma this season, uh, I want to know what your thoughts were on this upcoming game. Um, do you feel pretty good about it? you think Notre Dame has a good chance to win? And um, Six days beforehand, I would like to see what your prediction would be. Okay, yeah. Um, I actually watched some Oklahoma film today because I wanted to get a better sense of what they're all, all right. about. So there you um, go. I, I took took a quick peek at them. Um, before the season, I called this as, game as a loss. And the reason I did is I just felt like, uh, um, you know, not that I knew Oklahoma's personnel overly well, but I just felt like, um, you know, they were going to come in with a real chip on their shoulder and felt like they had something to prove because uh, I think they were pretty disappointed with what happened last year. And uh, so I, there's nothing that I've seen out of either team that makes me want to change my prediction. So I'll, I'll come out and predict a, a loss, unfortunately, for Notre Dame. But I'd love to be wrong on that one. Um, my impression of the Oklahoma team is, you know, it's a good football team. In some ways, they're similar to Notre Dame in that they're sort of an emerging team. And, and they've had some nice victories. Obviously, the Tulsa victory was, a, was a, a very nice win, but I think there's still some questions, and I don't think they really know what they have yet. Um, defensively, you know, I thought they tackled well in space. I didn't think they were overly uh, sudden or quick titchy, twitchy on the defensive line. I thought they were more, um, you know, actually Notre Dame style, to, to be quite frank with you. Their DBs seem very active. I think we're going to see lots of safety down in the box, and... Um, uh, so they, yeah, they were they were not a bad team. I'll be very interested to see what they do offensively. Um, they look like they have some pretty good speed at the running back, so it's going to be a tough challenge for us. Yeah, I've had pretty much the same thoughts. I've watched a little bit of them as well. 
I think just broadly, uh, painting with broad strokes, I think their offense is pretty intimidating. Um, I think if Blake Bell can be pretty competent, I think this is a game they should probably win. I am pretty scared of Bell's running ability, not so much in breaking off you know, 20-yard runs, but it wouldn't surprise me if he runs the ball 20 times, picking up a lot of those third and shorts and just keep moving the chains. And Even if they're settling for field goals, uh, you know, that could probably be the difference in the game. As far as their defense is concerned, I hope, and I, and I think if this is a way Notre Dame's going to win, I think we could probably try to rough them up a little bit, kind of like we saw this past weekend with Michigan State. I, I would really like to see Notre Dame get really, really tough, run the ball a little bit more, even if it's not working early on, and, and really just try to wear down this Oklahoma team. They're not used to uh, some of the, uh, you know, bigger, stronger physical teams that Notre Dame can play. So um, I definitely think that's uh, something Notre Dame can uh, can put on Oklahoma. And, and obviously turnovers as well will be a big key. Um, uh, I hope the stadium's rocking on Saturday. I think that could probably be another big uh, motivating factor for Notre Dame. So we'll see. Yeah, it would be nice for Notre Dame to play with a little bit of chip on their uh, chip on their shoulder. And, you know, they're going to be an underdog at home. And uh, I think this is a team that's, you know, has certainly started to take on Brian Kelly's personality. And uh, he loves the underdog role. And, uh, you know, he's been pretty good in the underdog role at Notre Dame. And uh, his teams have tended to play pretty well in these big games where people think that uh, that they don't really have a chance. So that's a real positive. Um, and you mentioned Blake Bell, and I think one of the interesting things is him running the ball really worries me as well. And I think we talked earlier about Notre Dame and the pistol offense and how we, you know, it, it doesn't seem to really mesh with our personnel or our offensive philosophy. But I think when you look at Bell, he would be a guy that. Uh, that it does look very good in the pistol um, because he's he's a threat to run the football. And so uh, the linebackers can't key on the running back because they've got to be wary of what uh, Bell does. And so they're not going to be able to just kind of fly in there and really attack that running game. So that's I think that's a really interesting point. That'll be a big part of the game within the game. Yeah, probably one of the more underappreciated aspects to last year's game was the fact that Notre Dame completely shut down Oklahoma's running game. Uh, I think I was looking at the stats a couple of days ago. I think that was probably the best effort Notre Dame's had in many, many years. And obviously Landry Jones is a statue, so that didn't help matters at all. So I think this is going to be definitely a huge difference from last year, even though Bell's probably not going to be as, as good of a passer as Jones. I think this offense, and I said this in the summer preview, I think this offense could potentially be a lot more explosive with, uh, with Bell being able to run the ball. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask you, Lars. If Notre Dame wins this game this weekend against Oklahoma, are you thinking major bowl game for the Irish, or are you going to still have to see some more action against uh, Arizona State and USC until you start believing that? Yeah, you know what? No, I, I think if we win this game, yeah, we're in very good shape. Um, you know, Arizona State's going to be tough, but, you know, I don't think they're... I think they're kind of the flavor of the week right now. I'm not sure how good they are, and especially on defense. Um, and then the rest of the schedule is very manageable up until Stanford. And, uh, you know, Notre Dame tends to have a game in there where 
where they don't play well and they kind of play it down to the level of their competition. So we may see that in that kind of stretch where we think we have some winnable games. But they also have a tendency, especially under Brian Kelly, to play well in big games. And they typically have one to two games every year where they come in and surprise. And they, they play a team that uh, we figure they're probably not going to have much of a chance against and they just play lights out. So I'm hoping to see one of those games. And I think... There's a good chance it's going to come either between Oklahoma, Arizona State, or uh, Stanford, where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see us win. Certainly, I suspect we'll win one of those, at least one of those three games, and I wouldn't be stunned to see us win two. And this weekend, yeah, it's a possibility. There's still some question marks with Oklahoma, and I think you you hit the nail right on the head. I don't think anyone's come and really punched them in the mouth yet, and so we'll see how tough they are in South Bend when... Uh, Notre Dame starts to give them the business and uh, and kind of comes up and whacks them, and then we'll see what that Oklahoma team is made of. Yeah, you talked about Arizona State being the flavor of the week. I think that flavor is now put in the back of the store after their uh, performance against Stanford, although they did pile on some points at the end. Uh, Stanford pretty much had their way with them through two or three quarters, so... Yeah, yeah, it was a fairly uh, dominating first half by uh, Stamford. And, and yeah, Arizona State moved the ball at the end and, and certainly scored some points. And uh, But then Stamford was basically able to turn it right back on and march the ball right down the field. So, um, yeah, I'm not stalled on Arizona State, although they're still a very good football team. And, and right now we haven't proven that, uh, you know, that we should take anybody lightly at this point because, frankly, we haven't gone out there and really laid the boots to anyone so um, you know I, I think I think any game here right now is still in play in terms of us winning or losing yeah that's right uh, I mentioned on the site I thought this Michigan State game was probably one of the three kind of three games that would you know kind of tilt the season one way or the other and I think winning the Michigan State game was a big positive for the team in that aspect I think you know, winning one out of the next two here with Oklahoma and Arizona State is going to be another tipping point, and I think that BYU game later in the season is probably going to be another one. I think after watching them play a couple times here, I think that's going to be more of a winnable game than we thought a couple weeks ago. So, um, I I predicted nine and three. I think this still looks like an eight and four game. I'm not very uh, positive uh, with the team's chances this weekend, but hey, you never know. So uh, that'll wrap up episode number 10. Uh, Lars, do you have anything else to say before we get out of here? No, just uh, go Irish, and hopefully we can get it cranked up for next week. And like you say, the stadium's rocking. And, hey, listen, I'm uh, I'm all for all Aussie being played all the time in that stadium because <laughs> uh, we seem to play well with when uh, Crazy Train gets going. So thanks for having me here, Eric. I enjoyed it as always. All right, I look forward to Oklahoma coming to South Bend this weekend. It should be a great time. Uh, it's always great when two big programs like this get together and play uh, in South Bend. So uh, for Eric, or for Lars, um, this is Eric, and uh, I want to remind people to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and we will see you on the site throughout the week, and go Irish. <laughs>